Good to be back here. The last time I was here was Tuesday, so <laughs> and I uh, heard some tremendous preaching. Um, really appreciate uh, Brother Mitchell. But I really appreciate your pastor, and I'm sorry Amy's not here because I learned from Joe Russ that she's a good person to pick on. So uh, kind of missed that a little bit. Open your Bibles to John 14. <laughs> I'm not sure what she thinks about that. but <laughs> Yeah. You know, I just think about how privileged I am to, uh, to grow up in the United States, grow up with parents that took me to church, even though we didn't go to a good church. But it was it, even in spite of that, that's um, where I heard the gospel from a Sunday school teacher. And um, I'm thankful for different people um, throughout my life that I've come into contact with who've Helped me to understand more about the Bible and uh, how to live for the Lord. And uh, the, the Lord used um, me being here for, I think it was about two and a half years or something. But that was, that was a blessed time. I'm glad it was back then instead of now. I've gotten older and I, it was tiring driving back and forth, but it was, I enjoyed being here. It was a blessing. And I'm glad that uh, our churches are still in fellowship. Um, things have, times have changed though in the last couple of years and so uh, I think this message is or passage is particularly appropriate to us John 14 uh, Jesus said let not your heart be troubled ye believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if we had to have a message, to be, let not your heart be troubled. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we hold in our hands words of life, uh, unmixed truth, words that reveal the eternal God to us and also reveal your will. And I thank you that for those who have gathered here today. Um, I pray that you'd speak to the needs of our lives and so that we would know the way. And I do pray that you'd be with uh, Pastor and Mrs. Bowler as they travel today. I think that just give them safety. And I pray that you'd continue to bless the Word of God was preached at uh, Mr. Byler's funeral. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, we we do live in times that have changed dramatically, uh, drastically, I think, in the last two and a half, three years. Um, With the COVID and all that, we've seen a lot of things change. You know, you younger folks are used to us older folks talking about how it used to be. (laughs) But uh, even if you're a young person today, you've seen things change. What, What we normally would think several years, maybe a decade or so to accomplish the things that have been happening in our nation. Uh, when I was in junior high school, uh, I guess in the 60s, we had riots and things like that, but we, we'd never had anything like uh, COVID and the, the riots and the, all the, the type of racial accusations and so forth. The thing about it is in the racial stuff, it seems like more white people are protesting. You know, the educated white people are the ones that are carrying out the the riots and that kind of thing. So it's it's really different. Uh, Obviously, I've never seen a time where a a president and the governors and the lawmakers were saying we, we can't go to church because of something that's <laughs> a sickness that's a lot less deadly than the flu. I mean, we look at the percentages and things like that. Um, here now, of course, we're having inflation. Of course, that's, that's not new to our country. But we've had all these things changes, and our nation is so divided, everybody understands that. And the Lord tells us in the Bible that things like this are going to happen. And he says, it says they're, they're going to get worse. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul wrote to Timothy. There Timothy is a pastor and Paul says, you know, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And uh, we, we see people who are really frightened about what's happening. Um, Republicans, Democrats, churchgoers, non-churchgoers. Um, my wife was, I think, at a Walmart or something like that and gave a, a lady a tract. And uh, this lady, was she was a black lady, had her head shaved. She was an older lady, though. Uh, but she started crying. She said, I really need this. And what she told was the day before, uh, she was just going about her business, very friendly type person, but a young black girl had accused her of disrespecting her. And this girl was coming after her. She was really angry. You disrespected me. And she said if it hadn't been for a, uh, an older black man and a couple of ladies that were there that stepped in, she thought that girl was going to attack her. Howard explained some of that this morning about what a person's cause is. And uh, I'm going to preach that next Sunday morning. I'm, I guarantee I'm going to do that. Probably, I told Howard it would probably be a little different from what his, the way his message went, but the, the basic idea is exactly right. It's either God's cause rules our life or our own, which is basically Satan's cause. But people are fearful. And if you turn with me to Luke 21... 
Luke chapter 21. When Jesus is talking about the last days, look at verse 25. This is There's several things that are covered in this chapter 24, uh, 21. The Lord talks about, I believe, first of all, beginning in like verse 10, he's, he, is, he includes, I think, the destruction of Jerusalem prior to this part where he, and he tells, you know, the, the tells the Jews to flee, the Christians who are Jews, to flee Jerusalem. And they actually did that in A.D. 70. Uh, there were a lot of Christians that were spared because, they, because of what Jesus told them to do here. And they fled the city of Jerusalem. The, the city was just, they were slaughtered by the Romans in, 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 during that time. But the Christians believed the Lord and followed Him. But here in verse 25... We know this part refers to the time around the tribulation. So it's time yet to come. It says there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So there's a lot of powers, government powers, things like that, that have been shaken in our time, and it's distressing. Uh, you know, people are worried about how they're going to be able to buy food. We we've been told, and we know this is the case, that there are going to be tremendous famines. There's going to continue to be wars. Uh, there's going to be distress within our nation. I mean, you, you can't even go to the store and freely talk about anything for fear that somebody's going to get angry with you and may seek to do you harm. This lose their cool and, and go after or at work. Um, you know, <laughs> you just have to be careful what you say. And yet at the same time, we need to be outspoken because other people are not hearing truth. And the quieter we get, the more convinced they become. But this thing about people's hearts failing them for fear. Now, Paul told, spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're not supposed to be fearful people, regardless of what happens. Uh, we're supposed to be loving. The, the influences that I've been talking about, they tend to cause us to withdraw from people and, and to uh, be suspicious of everybody. Not, not to be loving, not to be concerned. And then he says the sound mind. So being able to, being able to think soberly, to think according to truth. That's the what type of people we are. We, we ought not be controlled by fear and worries and things like this. If you turn to Revelation 21, after we do that, we'll go back to John 14. But Revelation 21, I want to just briefly show you why not only does God say we're not supposed to be fearful, we haven't given us a spirit of fear, but in Revelation 21, verse 7, He that overcometh, and that, that appears... 
That word overcometh about overcomers is referred to seven times at least, talking about the seven churches. Christians are supposed to be overcomers. But here it says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's a wonderful promise from the Lord. But note this, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, so we, we read there about people, yeah, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all these things. But it starts with this, what we would consider an innocuous reference to somebody. He said, the fearful. The fearful are going to be in hell. And then he says, unbelievers. Why, why fearful people? Because they don't know and trust the Lord. A person that fears man, for example, is not going to confess faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you don't confess me before men, I'm not going to confess you before my Father. Fear is a sin that we don't think of maybe as bad as adultery or murder or something like that. But it's kind of like covetous. Covetousness is the last of the Ten Commands. Thou shalt not covet. And yet... If somebody is covetous, they'll, make, they'll break every one of the nine previous commandments. You'll, you'll commit adultery if you're covetous. You'll steal. You'll kill. You'll even have a different God if you're covetous. And fear is like that. If we are ruled by fear, if we fear what's going on around us, if we fear other people, we will not do the will of God. And so when we go back to John 14, here we are, uh, chapter 13. If you look at verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. So they are, this, this verse, four, uh, chapter 14, there are 20, 22 chapters in John, starting at verse 13 and going all the way to verse excuse me, starting at chapter 13, going all the way to chapter 22, is all about the last few days of Jesus' life. Less than a week. You know, depending on how you view the the time of the last days, Thursday night. So half of the book covers this last week. And one of the great problems, obviously, is he says, let not your heart be troubled is that those men were confused and they were afraid. Now, they had been traveling with Jesus for about three and a half years. These were men, all of them, including Judas, I believe. Judas is obviously going to be uh, identified at this meal that they're having. But these are men that had heard John the Baptist, probably all of them, I'm not sure if it's all of them or not, but most of them, uh, were followers of John the Baptist. They heard his preaching. And they heard John announce that the one that all the Old Testament talks about and the one that all of Israel had their hope in, if they had any religious beliefs at all, that he was coming, the Messiah was coming. And again, 
sure you're aware, the word Messiah is, is a Hebrew word. Christ is the Greek synonym. It means anointed. Uh, and so all the, all the prophets and Moses and everybody, uh, David, you know, they call him the son of David. They believed that when Jesus came on the scene and John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, their whole idea was it, now is the, the age of glory. This is the time that Israel is going to be restored. They're all going to be converted. We're going to rise to power again. We're going to have a ruler that rules the entire world. Uh, the lamb and the lion will lie, lie down together. All of our crops and everything are going to all be prosperous. You know, it was great under Solomon. All the world knew about Israel during that time. Remember, the Queen of Sheba traveled a long way just to meet Solomon. But this one's going to be greater than Solomon. And when they met Jesus, they were probably a little... That guy? I mean, he's, he's just a carpenter until they heard him speak. Until they saw him command the wind and the waves to stop. Until he went to Lazarus' grave, you know. Lazarus, come forth. Everybody's complaining because don't open the tomb. He's going to stink. His body, I mean, guy's been in there rotting for a few days here. And Lazarus comes hopping out, you know, he's all wrapped up in the grave clothes. Their thinking changed about Jesus. They lived with him during that time. They heard him. They saw that, I mean, what would you think about a perfect man? who always has, as I was saying this morning, the Lord's cause. Everything that he did was directed by the Lord's cause. But then, over the last few weeks, he started saying this. We're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified, and the third day I'm going to rise again. Well, they never heard the third day I'm going to rise again. Now, they did one time, they said, what's this thing rising on the third day? But they couldn't get past this idea that Jesus said that he was going to die. The Messiah doesn't die. He lives and rules forever. They, they've read Daniel. He's the one that, you know, <laughs> is the Son of God. What do you mean you're going to die? By the way, let me just reiterate this. I, I say this. If you don't understand something that your pastor preaches, ask questions. They were afraid to ask questions. You know, it's like a guy in math class in the seventh grade. Teacher's saying something. He thinks it, this, is, this is like learning Hebrew. What does she mean? Algebra, I have no idea. If you don't ask questions, you know, you're not going to make it. Spiritually, we need to be inquisitive. The Bible actually says, you know, for wives to ask their husbands at home. But men ought not be saying, well, I don't appear like I'm dumb. Ask questions when he teaches Bible doctrine to you. But here they are, and they're going to Jerusalem, and they can sense all this. And I forget where it is, but it says, they noticed that Jesus' face was set like a flint. I mean, he, he was undeterred. He was going to Jerusalem and he's telling them over and over to try to get them prepared that he's going to die. 
and they are in turmoil. They know, they, they've seen the antagonism, the opposition that Jesus has been growing among the, it's been growing, uh, among the religious leaders. And uh, by this time, they realize the high priests and those people that they had looked up to are wicked men. And so they're concerned, and they sit down at this meal, the Passover. You know how holidays are demanding. You travel. At the Passover, everybody, every Jew in the world tried to come to Jerusalem. And you got all the hustle and bustle. You got to find a place to have the Passover meal. It's and and that, you know, the the emotions of that. Plus, Jesus telling them, I'm going to die. And so he sits down with them and he says to them, let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) He's not just saying, don't be worried. You know, everybody worries some. Smoking marijuana is not going to keep you from worrying. A lot of people think that. That's the only way they can relax. Or having a, a few beers or a glass of whiskey or something. You know, that, that may get you so you don't care for a while. But when, when somebody's heart is troubled and everything that they think and believe about Jesus, they're thinking that something's wrong. And they don't understand it. And they are greatly troubled. And he gives us a command. He gave them a command. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Stop it. That's one of those kind of commands, which, you know, if you get to be an adult, after a while and you've been trying to live right, uh, you realize how powerless a lot of times we are just to make the right choices, not to give in to temptation, but certainly not to allow certain thinking to control us, not to allow our emotions, you know, our, your heart, your soul, your inner being. Th- these men were troubled. They'd been going around preaching the gospel, you know, good news, preaching good news. And here they're so troubled, they don't know what to do And Jesus said, stop it. You know, a lot of times we could, certainly if we know the Lord, I'm going to preach on being spirit-filled this afternoon, we could be a lot more victorious in our walk with the Lord uh, but if you got somebody that's, uh, probably, I'm sure in the, in a crowd this size, it's pretty small, but there's somebody here, at least one person, could be half the congregation has had panic attacks before. Uh, and you can't control, you think, your your worry, your concern, your thoughts. Uh, I mean, you may think you're going to die. You may think somebody, it, it, you know, you just can't control your thoughts. 
and it affects your body. But you know, think about this. Let's say that uh, my wife and I are at home and one of us says something to the other one and it was kind of stupid, the wrong thing to say. And let's say I... Let's say Kathy says something to me and I react. And she reacts and I react. And she, <laughs> you know how it is. You, you're just a normal, easygoing person and all of a sudden it goes from easygoing, it's going, <laughs> it is, the heat just hits the top of the thermometer. You know. I see one smile right there. I, I can tell. But... Probably most of us have had that happen to us before, too. We, get, we can get angry just like that. And then you have no control over what you say or what you think. or You know, you know we call it going postal. I think most people have experienced that, not everybody. But you know what? Suppose while you're... Let's say it's me, and I've just gotten, and I'm, I'm tired. I'm t- this has been going on a long time. I'm tired of this. I'm going to put an end to this. And so I'm yelling, and the phone rings. Now, let's, let's pretend this is before cell phone. Well, it, it's, it doesn't mean there's cell phone. So I take my phone. Hello? And so I was out of control yelling, angry, and all of a sudden I've got a sweet voice. Hello? Why? Because the phone rang. I don't know who's on the other end. And so all of a sudden, just the thought that there's somebody else on the phone who might hear Pastor Webb angry, (laughs) I'm all under control, just like that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but are you with me on that? You You understand what that is? You know, Nathan's oversees some workers. I'm, I'm, I would guess he's probably <laughs> experienced that before, or Howard or somebody, you know. We can do it. And that's not even spiritual. You understand? It's, it's not being spiritual. We have the ability to control our emotions and our thoughts and our actions. And he's commanding us to do that. Here are these men. They're sitting there. They're at what's the the greatest holiday of the year for the Jews, the Passover. And they've been hearing all this. And they've been talking among themselves. And they don't know what's going on. But they think they understand that Jesus is saying that his ministry is going to end. And the Messiah is going to die. And that is what he's saying. They've understood it rightly. He said, look, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. This is a command from the Lord, from His Savior. And so we need to understand, first of all, you and I can stop from being troubled. We can stop ourselves from being troubled. We can stop ourselves from being angry. We can stop ourselves from being lustful. Today, let's just focus on this thing about fear and concern as if 
and I, I think most of you are in Sunday school, as if the cause, the cause of God is going to fail. That's really what they're thinking. They've heard all this preaching. They believed all of it. And now they're being told by the Lord that it's, it's all going to fail. He's the, in their thinking. Again, I, I think they couldn't quite get to the thing about third day they're going to rise again. They said, I don't, what does that mean? Rise again? Well, he says this, Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Well, I mean, who's God? <laughs> He's the one that's in control of everything. Um, in Acts chapter 4, or maybe it's 5, when some of the apostles were arrested, and they were threatened, and they went back to the church, and they... I think it's Peter says to him, they crucified the Lord, but they've only done what God determined that they would do. Wicked men, men that hated God, put Jesus to death to fulfill God's plan from eternity past. That had to be the darkest day on earth. Now, you know, when somebody that we love dies or there's something tragic that happens, we have to understand that if we're living for the Lord, it's not tragic. It's within the Lord's will. And part of our our response has to be to control our hearts. Now, Job was a tremendous man. And James tells us we ought to be like Job. But Job got upset with God. Of course, his friends helped him to get that way. Job was, he lost all of his children. I think it was ten children. Lost all of his wealth. He was at least as wealthy as Trump or somebody else you could think of. He, he lost his health. And his favorite cheerleader, his wife, said, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> you know, your life is, is a waste. And he didn't, he didn't sin then. But when his three Christian buddies came along and started telling him that he was guilty of things he didn't do, and that all this was coming on him because of the way that he'd lived. God said he was a perfect man. He was complete. He was obedient in every area. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't perfect as we think, sinless or anything like that. But he was a man who, through all of his wealth and everything, his dealings with his children and all this, he had done the will of God. And then he said to himself, What's God doing to me? He started saying to God, why don't you come down here and let me argue with you? I can show you that you're wrong. He wasn't controlling his heart. And I, I think we could understand that, right? Except Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If we believe in the Lord Jesus... 
we believe in God, uh, if God is God, any, virtually anybody's idea of God, even some of the pagans with all their pitiful ideas of God, even those would think that God is he's the controller. So he said, you believe in God. He knew they did. He said, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now I want to burst your bubble here. Maybe it's been burst before. But look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. The word that's translated abode there is, is translated mansion in verse 2. Um, I grew up going to a Presbyterian church. We had a manse. Does anybody know what a manse is? A manse is a place for the pastor to live. And it, all it means is a dwelling place. Now, today, our English word mansion means, you know, like something one of these NBA players has got. But that's not what it means here. It means a place where we can live with God. That's what he said. I go and prepare a place for you. It's a dwelling place. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I never have really, I admit, I never have really understood what streets of gold are that are transparent. I, I, I can't grasp that. Uh, I don't doubt that they're there. I, I believe it. it. The Bible says there's no doubt about it, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I think, why would that help me? It's the fact that God is there. A God who has shed His blood to wash away my sins. That's what makes it happen. And this picture that He has here is, I'm not, I can't swear to it, but I, I believe He's using the picture of the way that weddings were in Israel at that time. He says, there are many mansions in his house. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, the, if you read in the Gospels here, you understand that the way that they did marriage then, uh, again, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to mess up anybody's idea of what marriage is supposed to be like, but betrothal in the Bible is marriage. The only way you could get out of being betrothed was to divorce. It wasn't, it wasn't engagement. Engagement doesn't mean anything hardly today. You get engaged, you can break it off and get engaged to somebody else, then somebody else, you know, it doesn't matter. But not in the Bible. If you got the the son, the man would go to the the woman's father and make an agreement with him and pay him a dowry 
And from that point on, they were married. They didn't live together. That man would then go and get everything ready for his bride. He would get his house ready. He would make sure, you know, that uh, there were pictures on the wall. You know, because, you know, a woman can't live without pictures on the wall. And that there were some bushes out front. You know, you never care anything about that. But I've got to get this ready for a woman. And then, whenever he got ready, without telling the woman that he's married to, he would just show up at her door. And he'd have a big party with him. And she was supposed to be ready. She was preparing her, uh, what do you call that box that you... What do you, what do you, what? Hope chest, yeah. She's been preparing her hope chest and getting things ready, but if he's, she's not ready when he shows up, that is disaster because they're going to leave right there and go to the wedding feast. And that night's going to be the first night they ever spent together. And Jesus is saying this, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. He's not telling I'm going to take you to a place where the streets are gold. And where there's a city with different levels of precious gems. The whole thing is this. He's coming back to take us to himself. We're going to be his bride there. And if he's there, there's nothing to worry about. You know, husbands... There may be times when you're kind of concerned, it may be even a little irritated about your wife being afraid. Look, just, just say this. I'm going to take care of you. I'll take care of you. Of course, you have to prove it over a period of time. But a lot of times that's all she needs if she has confidence in you. And we should have confidence in the Lord Jesus. He said it right here, he's going to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I know, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. And he tries to explain it to them, and they, they, they still didn't get it because it's, it's still future. But we know enough about what the Lord has told us that there's not going to be any sickness. There's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any sorrow. That God Himself will wipe away the tears from our eyes. There's no, there aren't going to be any evil. In fact, Revelation says this. There's going to be nations of saved people. Nations. Now, if we look at the world, nations are wicked. It's kind of like cities. You know, if you took all the cities out of the major cities out of the United States, everybody would vote conservative, just basically, because that's where wickedness thrives. But not in this city, because it's the dwelling place of God. It's where God abides. That's where we're going to abide with Him. And so He's going to. He is preparing a place for us right now. And, and 
He could come before lunch this afternoon. I'd be excited about that. Now, I'm, I'm a man. So I get up and eat breakfast, and then I say, what's for lunch? Okay? But I'm telling you, I'd be glad to forget about lunch if the Lord would come. That would trump everything else. And so we have to understand that. We can say, man, things are really bad down here. Oh, the Lord's here. We can, we can realize if we're worried, if we're troubled, that the Lord's coming, that He's preparing a place for us, that we don't have to worry about things. Yeah, we've got responsibilities. Yeah, we, we know some bad things are going to happen, but we know this. If we trust and if we obey the Lord, everything is going to be all right for His people. Now, we should be, if we're preaching good news, the gospel, we're evangelizing, we should be telling people about that. And some people will make fun of us. But some people would really like to hear that. They'd really like to hear there's something beyond, you know, my child overdosing. Um being influenced by the transgenders. Going to work and being, and being told, being a, somebody in the military and going to work and being told, well, we're firing you and you're losing all your, you know, your privilege, your insurance and everything else, your income and all that because you won't take this vaccine we're trying to force you to take. And these men were confused. They said, we don't know where you're going. Except that the Lord was, He prepared it. And He's going to come back and get them. You know, it's, it's really, it does work. That's what we're concerned about. Does it work? I, I've tried this and I've tried that and I still worry or I still do this or whatever. And I think I've probably told this illustration before because I was was a chronic worrier when I was a child. Um, in fact, so much that when I was in the fourth grade, I missed a year, excuse me, a month out of a year because I had migraine headaches worrying about homework. Um, and then I got in college. And college is a busy time anyway if you're studying. But I was playing ball. That took up a lot of my time. And then trying to make good grades. And I, as a safe person, I, I would lay down at night and every kind of thought would go through my mind. I'd just lay there. I, 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 didn't, I couldn't go to sleep, you know. But then I started memorizing Scripture. And I'd have those thoughts, so I'd just start calling up, going through, reviewing verses. And after a while, 
lights out. So that now, basically in my old years when I got all these things to, to worry about, I just lay down on the bed and I'm out. At one time in particular, when I went to grad school, I think it was my, it was my first semester in grad school, and I was taking a class called Old Testament Introduction. Now, I had to take Hebrew and Greek in, in grad school. And it was pretty difficult. But Old Testament Introduction was supposed to be the most difficult class we had. And we, it, our professor was Dr. Bell. And this is what we would do. He'd hand out a test. And he'd say, all right, you can start on the first question. Go. Stopwatch. After a few minutes, he'd say, stop. Or we're going to take the second question. You only had a certain amount of time to answer each question. And he determined how much... You couldn't go back. I mean, go and then stop. And I... So when he went through the syllabus of what we were going to cover in that semester, at the very start, I was going... I started panicking. I thought, how in the world am I ever going to get through this? I mean, I'm working, trying to go to school. You know, what? how am I going to do this? And then, I don't know why. I guess the Holy Spirit woke and kind of tapped me on the shoulder or something. And I thought, I've been in school all my life. Five years old, now I'm... 21 or 22, and I've always made good grades. The Lord's always helped me. I've never failed. Why am I worried? You know what? I wasn't nervous at all anymore right then because I had experienced the Lord taking care of everything in my life for 22 years. For a long part of that time, I never thought about it anyway because I had a mom and dad that took care of me, right? But now I was getting on more responsibility myself that I had to take care of. You know, at this time, my, my parents were opposing me. You know, I was paying for school was my responsibility. Providing a place where I could live was my responsibility. But when I thought about the fact that the Lord had never failed me all of a sudden I I just remembered that he never would he never would fail me and so when Jesus says let not your heart be troubled you can do it but you must do it it's a command it's a choice that you make uh and again, it really goes back to a lot to what, about what Howard said. What's your cause? If you are your cause, you're going to have all kinds of worries and problems. But if the Lord's will and His glory, unto Him be glory in the church, if that's your cause, <laughs> I can guarantee you this. He'll take care of every need And if you're in a situation that's not too good, he may take you to the ultimate 
position. You know, somebody threatens you to kill you, why worried about that? You say, are you, are you threatening me with heaven? And so let's obey what he says here. Let's encourage the brethren. Let's tell people the good news. We, you, we can have our sins forgiven. We can have a promise of eternal life with the Lord. We, we can have his promise that he'll direct us in every decision. Why worry? You know, is the Lord going to tell me? I've got to pray about this thing. Didn't he say this? That if we sought him, that he would show us? What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and what? He shall direct thy paths. There's, there's no might about that. If we want to do the Lord's will. You think about these men. Well, what a change this was when they started doing what he said. Ten out of twelve died as martyrs. John survived an attempt at martyrdom and lived on Patmos, a, a, an island for prisoners. i got to believe that they don't remember much about the suffering. Romans 8, I think it's verse 18, says that the suffering that we do have is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Let's don't let our hearts be troubled. Let's don't let fear control us. If we believe in God, let's believe in the Lord Jesus and tell other people about Him.